0: Welcome to the 4,000 Holes Podcast. A little bit of whimsy in your rover's supporting day. Hello, we're back with a new name, some new contributors, and maybe even some new ideas. Well, maybe some stolen ideas, perhaps. This is the 4,000 Holes Podcast, now available as part of the Sports Social Network Network. So now, it's much more than just a fanzine. If you listen to the BRFCS podcast and have moved over with us, welcome back. If you're brand new to the 4,000 Holes podcast, then welcome on board.
4: This is the 4,000 Holes podcast, sponsored by the fine folks at the Terrace. Enter BRFCS at checkout for a 10% discount.
0: I'm going to introduce tonight's panel, and first of all, he's a regular contributor to the old BRFCS podcast, and he's the editor of 4,000 Holes. So it's a great pleasure to welcome Scott to the podcast that now bears the same name. Hello Scott, how are you this evening? Hello Ian, good, and good to be back on the podcast, and it's new guys. Absolutely, yeah. same, Same old characters, perhaps, in two or three of us at least, but yeah, you never know. We have some fresh blood though, listener. Stay with us, we have fresh blood. Next in my Zoom window, he brings the perspective of youth, which includes energy and enthusiasm, which is no bad thing. He's a product of BRFCS's own academy system. Yes, he's one of our own, truly. It's Matt. Matt, how are you this evening?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm all good, thank you, yeah.
0: Coming to us live from Preston, deep undercover again? Yeah, I
1: mean, it's uh, exciting times in Preston at the minute.
0: Next in my Zoom window, we've dragged him away from the forum for the evening to get the benefit of his hot takes which may or may not involve disparaging the UK's beauty spots. If you listen to our Fighting Talk episode, you'll get the reference. If you didn't, you should listen to our Fighting Talk episode, because it's really good. It's Josh! Josh, how are you this evening?
5: I'm good, thank you. Uh, I'm hoping we can wrap this up pretty quickly, because it's a busy day in Blackburn Rovers' world, and that forum will be in chaos if I leave that for an hour. (laughs) And last, but (laughs) by no means least, I did promise new blood...
0: And every now and then, of course, you do need to freshen up your squad, as JDT is finding out. And our scouts have been active in securing the services of our next panellist. He's a regular contributor already to the fanzine, so transitioning into the podcast should be a breeze. It's Roger. Roger, welcome to the 4,000 Holes podcast. How are you?
3: Um, great, thanks Ian. Thanks for having me on the show. Hopefully I qualify as a January edition because there's not been too many in the first team. So uh, hey, we've already beaten them with the podcast.
0: Welcome one, welcome all. Let's get into our conversational gambits then, what we're going to talk about on this episode. I asked my panellists to do some homework and so we're going to we're gonna have a few conversations about some different topics and then we're going to end with a quiz so that you, the listener, can join in and see if you know more than our folks on the panel. And just to whet the appetite, the questions will be based around the 2017-2018 season. So if you want to, while you're listening to this, go away and Google that season. You never know. You might be able to get some of the answers. So the first question I asked my panellists was, who would be in your all-time left-footed rovers 11 i think between us we span the decade, so we should be able to to get plenty of nominations it'd be good if we could come up with 11 i'm not expecting it it depends how much homework you've done so i'm going to start with matt matt as the youngest correspondent you've got the least rovers experience as it were but which left footers have caught your eye since you've been watching blackburn rovers
1: I tried to do a go big or go home sort of thing. So I have actually got 10 out of 11. Um, most, some oh, of them, I would word. say most of them are questionable. Um, so I've gone for, uh, I mean, I've gone for some some new blood who I'm hoping in, if we do the same question in 10 years time, there'll be an answer. So I've gone for uh, Adam Wharton, Jake Garrett, the, the, the likes of, you know, the youngsters that we've got at the minute that hopefully will become something bigger. Um, I've got Makande in there as well. Just, just for references' sake, um, I think the oldest, the furthest back players I've got in here is. You're obvious. You got a uh, Pedersen in there. Oh, uh, that that's and, controversial.
0: Uh, we'll come back to that in a second.
1: <laughs> well, my my uh, my favourite one in there is Tom Kearney. Um, of course, and he's in midfield alongside Rashida. Of course, I remember
0: um, meeting. Here's a name dropping. Are you ready for a clang? Meeting Tommy Spur at Radio Lancashire and I asked him uh, while, the, while the news was being read who, who he thought was the best player in that squad when he was at Rovers, and he just answered straight away without any hesitation, Tom Kearney, just sort of said, straight off, best player, one of a left foot, absolute magician. But I can't let the reference to Morton Gams Pedersen go, I'm going to ask the rest I've of the panellists. Why? Yes. He, he, is he left footed? Tell us the story, Josh.
5: Uh, Well, he's right-footed and he taught himself to play with his left foot because his dad said, his dad was his coach over in in Norway and his dad explained to him how there was a shortage of left-footed players in English football, so he taught himself to be left-footed, he's actually right-footed. That's extraordinary that,
0: isn't it? It just goes to show, so every time someone shouts out, you should be practising that during the week, that there is actually some merit in that argument. Thanks for those, Matt. We'll, we'll come back later on. We'll see how closely we are and whether we need to add any more. But uh, some, some excellent suggestions there, ranging from the youth products today. So I'm going to come round in my window now to Josh. So, Josh, do you want to chuck two or three names in and see where we get to?
5: Yeah, so I've, I've got two that I, uh, I refuse to not have in this, and I will leave this if they're not in there. And then I've got one which is slight – well, it's very questionable, but I think we're going to struggle, so we need an answer First one's Matt Johnson, my favourite Black Robes football player. I grew up, and he, he was he was the man when I was growing up. Growing up. So uh, I refused to not have Matt Johnson as a number ten, just playing off the striker. Who that striker is, I don't really care. Uh, and then I want a number eleven in there, and I want uh Demian Duff. All you need is Duff, who arguably, for me, actually, certainly in my lifetime, is the best left footed player we've. He was. He was um, he was world-class at Blackburn Rovers for sort of the last six months that he was here from where I stand. So um, I'm definitely having Damien Duff on the left wing and Mike Jansen up front. Now, I I at I, I first, I misunderstood your question. I tried to make an 11. I did put together an 11, but there's a reason why right-backs play right-back and left-backs play left-back, unless, of course, you're Tony Mowbray. Um and what I've really struggled with here is keepers. It's, has there ever been a left-footed keeper? I couldn't get an answer. I think so, I can suggest one here, but go on. Uh, well, I've gone with David Raya, because if he was that good with his feet, he quite frankly, could have been either. I have no idea whether he was left-footed or right-footed, so... Uh, unless you've got an, an actual definite left
0: foot. I think I have, but I think another one of our panellists has as well. So we'll go to Roger first and then we'll come back to my suggestion because I have the advantage of remembering teams from the 70s. Roger, what about you?
3: I'm pretty sure there was one pretty recently and it was in the COVID season and he was that bad. We all want to forget all about him by the name of Christian Walton. Walton, I yeah. He was a left footed goalkeeper. I think even more rarer than him, I think we had a, a Polish loney called Gregorz Sandomierski. I think he was left-footed as well, although he only played a handful of
1: games. I was going to say, you know, if they're thin- going
0: in our all-time left-footed Rovers 11, the, the the pickings are thin, aren't they? I can save you all here by dint of age. It's not often that being an old git has its advantages, but here it is. I remember a young, promising young goalkeeper that we sold to Wolves for a massive amount of money at the time, £100,000, Paul Bradshaw, he was a terrific keeper, terrific prospect, England under 21. And we sold him to Wolves and he went on to play for Wolves for, for quite some time and have a decent career. I think he played in the League Cup final. I'm trying to remember back.
5: What year is this? Uh, is so me?
0: late 70s, he would he would have left Rovers So it was in the in the
5: Jim Smith era. And do you believe that he was a better goalkeeper than David Ryan if David Ryan had to use his left foot? he was he was
0: categorically left-footed and he was a really good he was a really <laughs> good keeper. So so I think right. I think we've answered the goalkeeping issue. Excellent suggestions. I don't think anyone's going to argue with Matt Janssen or Damian Duff, or if they do, I'm not going to put it in the episode. So you'll not hear any criticisms of Matt Janssen or Damian Duff because I'm the person doing the editing. Scott, I'm going to come to you next then. Who would be in your all-time Rovers 11? And I'm ex- expecting something really obscure now given your font of rovers knowledge. Um,
4: no I'm not particularly obscure i'm just starting with my first ever favorite player who was scott sellers and i and i chose him purely because he had the same name and initials as me so um it was kind of a dip in the hat but it turned out to be a good choice wonderful left foot and i only really saw bits of him in the promotion season in 1992 uh, before he moved on but turns out he had what five, six incredible years at the club. So, yeah, definitely Scott Sellers has to be in there. I
0: remember when he signed, a friend of mine was a Leeds fan, and he was absolutely gutted he'd left Leeds. And when he, when you he first saw him play, he just thought he's too slight. He's not going to be able to impose himself here. And exactly the opposite. You know, If, you, if you've got the ability, you, your physique is very much secondary. Uh, comparisons with Messi perhaps don't do him any favours, but he was. He, he could just glide over the turf. I think that was... Uh, that Was one of his greatest attributes, and his, his passing range was, was excellent. Now Wolves, I think, as the
5: youth director, uh, the academy, director, academy director, isn't he? Something, to that. Mm, something like that, excellent stuff.
4: Any other nominations, Scott? Yeah, a bit more niche. Um, the unfashionable choice, I'm going to say Stiginger Bjornaby. Um, because he had two great years, really, part of the promotion team in 2001, and also on the pitch for the Worthington Cup final. Um, unfortunate training ground injury I believe he broke an eye socket something like that which he couldn't recover from um but really two perfect years um great left foot good delivery from set pieces sure he set Mark Hughes up for a couple of his volleys at one point um so yeah just a a good solid left back if not particularly spectacular a good
0: call a good call indeed i always think whenever they met the words training ground incident are mentioned in the soon area then you you just presume that it was graham soon that inflicted the injury I'm, i don't <laughs> i don't recall that he he sort of lamped a sticking a on it. we can only assume it was another player but good calls so we'll go to the debutant now then roger who would your nominations be for the all-time rovers left-footed eleven?
3: We, see Because I'm on debut today, I've gone very serious, very keen. I've asked a plethora of people, some more experienced than me. <laughs> yeah, oh, I've really gone to town and I've got list after list. Uh, obviously, we'll just pick out a couple of names. Obviously, for more modern audiences, Charlie Mulgrew, I think, has to be in there with Good call. what he did that promotion season in League One. Although I always find it difficult when you're making Rovers all-time 11s, if you're going to base Premier League players against people who did it mm. in League One or, or, or the like. Uh, some of the more obscure names, or older names, just say who were before even my time, sort of like you, Tony Parks of the world, Mr. Blackman Rovers. That's the one uh, I was hoping Robinson. one
0: of you would mention. I was hoping it wasn't going to fall to me to mention him, but yeah, what what a, what a, marvel, what a colossus in that Rovers midfield for many, many years. But yeah, uh, again, the archetypal left-footed schema, I think is the, the phrase that was, that would be used in the Royal of the Rovers and Tiger comics of the day.
3: And whilst uh, sticking to, Stig, Inge Bjorby was a a very useful left back. I don't think he would get in ahead of Graham Lowe. of course, the championship winning uh, left back as well. Um, I was just thinking, though, about why do we call it a wand of the left foot? No one ever says a wand of a right foot or a majestic right foot. It, it's like, oh, it's a left foot that can open cans. Or, oh, it's absolutely. a left foot that can peel an orange. Oh, absolutely. it's a left foot that, but where did this come from? I think there must be some left-footed PR department somewhere making up all these uh, sort of uh, <clears> things <throat> for left-footed players.
0: I think I've just heard the lawyers from the Football Clichés podcast ring, actually, sort of say we're, we're, we're dangerously straying close to their territory. But you're yeah, absolutely right. You are absolutely
3: right. Just one more name I'd want to say for a left-footed player. And he actually went on to become a a Burnley player. And that was Dave Jones, uh, the centre midfielder, who I think is the only footballer I've seen in a corner when it would be easy to just kick it with your right foot, pirouette out of the corner, using exclusively his left foot. So I think of all the left-footed players I've ever seen, he has to be the the most one-footed of left-footed players.
0: Where do you stand on the Rabona then?
3: I don't know. I'm of an era of uh, none of that fancy dance sort of stuff uh, me, when me I was too, growing I must up.
0: Met, yeah. when, when, when you uh, see somebody, as you say, stuck in a corner and they try to do something so technically difficult to get the ball, they say, just use your little leg. You know? And then, of course, there's that famous clip, isn't there, of David Dunn playing for Birmingham where he tries the uh, the old Rabona and falls A over T. And I think that's that's. If he could get royalties on that clip, it will probably <laughs> eclipse any amount of money that he earned, he earned in his playing career. So, have we got an eleven there? I think we've, we've got a goalkeeper. We've got uh, we've got definitely got forward. We
5: need a, a centre back. Char- uh, Are I we do, playing Charlie I Mulgrew do. at
0: centre back then?
5: Yeah, we're playing Charlie Mulgrew at centre back. I, I do have one more, but I don't know if you're going to let me replace Scott Sellers with him. And it's uh, for you and Scott to fight that one out certainly my dad dad won't allow it and Damien Duff isn't leaving Harvey Elliott Definitely got a wand of a left foot. Whether he getting an all time
0: 11 based on one season on loan, I'm not sure, but the talent is there for sure. Definitely worth considering
5: we're putting Dave Jones in. I, th- I think well, I, did, I
0: didn't say he's in, he's nominated. <laughs> no, 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 no. There are lots of films nominated for Oscars that don't win, but there we go. <laughs> I think what we'll do is we, we will put our nominations up on a thread on the forum, uh, and then people listening to this can add their names to it. And then I don't know, maybe we'll have a poll or something like that. Matt, did you have one more you wanted to add?
1: Yeah, well, I've got a couple um, and centre backs I uh, just heard mentioned, and um, we can't forget uh, obviously Derek Williams. You can play centre back if we're desperate. Gail, yeah.
5: Gail Giver probably gets in.
0: I would have Giver over Dell, with all due respect to Dell. Um, uh, you know, when we're talking all time, of course this this will make people blanch. But when you when you actually have to think of someone who is so dependent on the left foot. Then uh, So I, I think yeah, the jury here has Jansen definitely in, has Duff definitely in. I think we've definitely said Paul Bradshaw is the goalkeeper because we can't think of another left-footed goalkeeper. I'm putting Tony Parks in for sure. I think yeah. I'd have Scott Sellers in. Graham Lassau has to be in there.
4: Well, we haven't mentioned Jason Wilcox, who so I just presume it is an obvious has to be in there. Um, And maybe Stephen Warnock as well. Well, Why don't we play six players down the left
0: side and just leave (laughs) leave the right side completely vacant? Hang on a minute. I'm sure I've seen Rovers do that in the last two or three years. There must be a game somewhere. Uh,
3: Yeah, I've got some more names, which are sort of, again, before my time, but trying to uh, do some research. I don't want to put you on the spot, Ian, as the senior member of the group. Senior,
0: uh, that's a good word.
3: (laughs) I like that. Mike Harrison or Mick Woods. Uh, Mike Uh, Harrison is slightly before
0: my time, but I remember Mick Wood. Mick Wood Uh, was was a terrific Rovers. um, Well, what would you now say was an academy prospect, one of one of our own. He sort of like he could play anywhere down the left side. I think he's utility player. Is again another one of those phrases that you'd see written in program pen notes in the seventies, and I think he, he he would fit into midfield. He would fit in anywhere in the back four if if in extremis as Rovers often were in those days, but it didn't really matter what your advertised <laughs> position was. You know, if you could get twelve men out,
5: then uh, you you just picked up the first shirt. I've got some from my dad, uh, and I'll need you to veto for me, Ian. So he had he had Scott Sellers, Jacob, uh Wilcox, Jimmy Mullen,
0: yeah, yeah, Not Jimmy McClellan Jimmy Mullen. He, Here is the story, then. I think nineteen seventy-five. E all our yesterdays. Jimmy Mullen pl- uh, broke his leg playing for Rovers against Peterborough. And the referee had such a terrible game that as he walked off, an old duffer in the Nuttall Street enclosure poured the dregs of his flask over the referee as he disappeared oh, down the tunnel. And rovers were called in front of the FA uh, and asked to account for, for the behaviour of their, their hooligan supporter. I think he was genuinely a pensioner. And it was it was just such a terrible, terrible performance <laughs> that he just sort of emptied his flask over the referee. So yeah, Jim, Jimmy Mullen can be in the squad. It's not the Burnley manager, Jimmy Mullen, I, I, I hasten to point out.
5: He had Noddy McLeod, never heard of him. That's, Ali, that's Ali
0: McLeod. Um, that's Ali. Ali McLeod. The former Scotland Dave manager. Wagstaff. Oh, Waggy, Dave absolutely. Wagstaff. Yeah, how could I forget David Wagstaff? He's definitely a... John
5: Bailey, Andy Bergen, Robbie Fowler, Keith <laughs> Newton... And then bored now, going to watch TV. <laughs> right, I'll give I'll give
0: him Keith Newton. So we, we are going to have a side packed with left backs, as we have Keith Newton <laughs> and Graham Lasseau. I think they probably trump sticking Inge Bjorn a bit, so he has to move across to the centre. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some there's some good names there. Ali McLeod slightly before my May, I have to say. Just
3: uh, three more names before I do that. Ian, you made the sound that everybody of a certain age of Rovers fans makes when the name Dave Wagstaff gets told. Yeah, it's what sort of our generations say when two guys. Two guys. Yeah. It's this little ooh ooh. So <laughs> I said to my dad of any any time about Rovers, but Dave, tell me about Dave Wagstaff, and it's usually a ooh Dave Wagstaff.
0: He was it was he just did this
3: on the first game.
0: How can I, how can I forget him? I'm so glad his name's been mentioned. But yeah, he was the two guy of my generation, as it were. Uh, so, he, but- he came at such an age that you thought there was, there's nothing, very little left in his legs. But he didn't do any running. He didn't need to do any running. So imagine two guy in that last season just wandering up and down the centre circle, pinging the ball over any range, and that yeah, you know, the joke would be that Waggy would look up and that you know the, the forward would point to which toe he wanted the ball to land on, <laughs> and he'd sort of like just arc it in. It was just it. Yeah, the wand of a left foot, as we've already mentioned.
3: Yeah, there's just three more names. Says I've got Connolly, Stonehouse, and Hall. I presume that's Barry Hall, uh, although it sounds like a, a county firm that from maybe <laughs> uh, I don't know Kendall or something.
0: Right, well, well, it should be from South Wales, shouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, from South Wales. Yeah. A boring yeah. company in South Wales. Yes, the Barry Hall. Yeah, he, he again. He's he's just slightly be, slightly before my uh, my era, I'm afraid. So I can't uh, I can't con- uh, comment on him, but. Right, some excellent names though, folks. I think what we need to do then is, is put them on a thread on the forum and let, uh, let the good people of BRFCS decide and talk about it. So thanks for your inputs. That is our Rovers all-time left-footed, well, maybe not 11, but certainly a squad, a squad worthy of taking on all comers who are right-footed. Maybe we'll do the right-footed in the next episode. <laughs> Okay, in this round, what I decided to do was to ask our panellists about memorable football matches that they've seen Rovers play, or that Rovers have been involved in. And what prompted me to this was that there are some games on Wikipedia that have their own pages, because the events that unfolded, or the significance of the game, was so great that it has a dedicated page. So I asked our panellists to think about what Rovers games they think are worthy of a dedicated wikipedia page and i'm going to come to roger first
3: well, i think you hit the nail on the head with the question there in when you said significance extra reading whenever i go on wikipedia i like looking at something and then clicking on links and then being about seven or eight pages down the line and then coming back to sort of what was i actually looking at the first time so i think one game from rovers history that really uh, typifies that uh, sort of list that we're looking at uh, was when Rovers played Newcastle on Easter Monday in 1996. That was the Champions Blackburn Rovers against the entertainers of Newcastle. For me, it had a bit of everything that people will be talking about, reading about, watching highlights in 10, 15, 20 years time, just as they are already doing now, particularly with, let's face it, Newcastle are probably going to become a powerhouse team of the next 10, 20 years with the the money from Saudi Arabia. So. Just some bullet points I had from that game, which are standouts for me. If you watch any of the highlights on YouTube, just for starters, you've got two fantastic commentators in, Rob Hawthorne and uh, Barry Davis did the uh, Match of the Day commentary, which is wonderful to listen to Barry Davis at Ewood. There was 30,000 plus at Ewood on the night, not just all Newcastle fans, film the Darwin Enders you'd probably have these days. Half of it was Rovers fans, half of it was Newcastle fans. The importance for Newcastle being that. They really choked that night. That was the night where their title aspirations ended. Uh, interestingly as well, the uh, 442 magazine did a a piece on the best football kits of all time in the Premier League era. And would you believe it? The first and second in that list is the Newcastle 96-97 kit and the Rovers 94-96 kit. So it's the two best kits in Premier League history uh, doing that. And yeah, there's just storylines everywhere in the game. David Batty, who played at Rovers that season, famously punched Graham Lasso in Moscow. He then got transferred to Newcastle, scored the opener for Newcastle. And then Rovers come roaring back through A obscure name, Matt. You've probably never heard of Graham Fenton, but anybody who was around in the nineties, particularly mid nineties, knew that there was a young player from Whitley Bay who had his moment in the sun. A Newcastle supporter, effectively ending Newcastle's championship bid. They've not come close since. I'm sure they'll go close again. But there's storylines everywhere: David Ginola, Les Ferdinand. You've got Colin Hendry, Alan Shearer in Blackburn Rovers colours. And I sort of figured that for me, if Arsenal at home uh, on the Monday night in 1992 was the start of the memorable Shearer Rovers night games at Ewood. Then Newcastle, 96, Easter Monday was sort of the end of the Shearer sort of magic spell. So for me, it has a bit of everything. It it has impact in where Rovers would go on to, where Newcastle would go on to. And uh, yeah, I think it's just one of those, if, if you get a chance don't make a wikipedia page actually go on youtube and watch the highlights it's a wonderful game the atmosphere is incredible i'd be what nine at the time when it was on uh, so i do have memory of it uh, but yeah what what a game and interestingly i'm basing this all on the fact that the previous game newcastle played away from home was when they played liverpool and got beat 4-3 and that does have a wikipedia page yeah. so Make it so. Make it happen, Wikipedia. Jimmy Jimmy Wales, is it, who runs uh, Wikipedia? Yeah, yeah. make give it happen, it, Jimmy. Give
0: him a donation of £2 and he'll let you write a page. That's a great shout. Lovely. Thank you for that. I remember that game distinctly. To say Graham Fenton is the, the standout memory for me. If, if ever a guy, oh my God, what have I just done? Kind of thing. It was just, because my memory of it now, looking back, is that Rovers weren't really in the game and the momentum was all with Newcastle. And then it, yeah, it, to, it just sort of like turned it around and it was...
3: If you watch the highlights, Rovers actually hit the bar twice before then. Uh, I know this because I watched it yeah, yeah. this this afternoon. You know, yeah. just doing some research. But uh, yeah, Newcastle were the team flying at that time, and I think for Rovers, obviously, as fans remembering it at that time, that we really knew that the championship season was just going to be a one-time oh, thing, absolutely. Yeah. and the fact that that season was coming to an end, and we'd we had a few stop starts, and really, I think that for me was that like the last night at you yeah. yeah, for that,
0: yeah, for that for yeah, that era of so. players. So thank you for that. Scott, what's
4: your Wikipedia worth Batman Rovers match? Worst times I'm afraid, probably one of the worst nights at Ewood. Um, sorry to pick it, but it's our last home match in the Premier League in 2012 when we got relegated against Wigan. I just think so much happened on that night and as awful as it was. If you were to script, a perfect relegation. That would be it. With all the heartbreak and ugliness and drama, so much happened on that night. The the chants, the horribleness around the stadium, the chicken on the pitch, the rain lashing down. And it wasn't just the fact that a draw would have sent us down. It was the fact that Wigan scored in the last minute just to plunge, you know, you know, it was even deeper. It was. And then the then the pitch invasion after it was awful, but kind of you look back now and it's such a big moment in our history um, that it kind of would be due a Wikipedia page, even though we don't really like to look back
0: on it. Yeah, you wouldn't, but you certainly would look back with fond memories in terms of its significance in Blackburn Rovers' history. And I think that picture of the chicken on the pitch is is one that sort of like en- encapsulates that. Era of Blackburn Rovers, from which we still haven't fully emerged. I mean, things are nowhere near as bad now as they were then, clearly. Um, but, but dot dot dot. Okay, we've got two new pages in Wikipedia there. Josh, let's add a third. What's your game?
5: I'm going victory at Ewood. Victory at Ewood Day. Uh, you talk about narrative, um, like like the guys have touched on there. I think. It's all about. It's all about the interview after the the game. The game was one thing, but uh, the, the Tim Flowers interview. Don't talk to me about bottle. That was some men with bottle out there, or whatever it was. That that was that was that was uh, a mindset thing as much as anything. Do you, do you know what I mean? It, the the game was a one 0 I don't even know who scored off the top of my head. Probably Shearer. Yeah, but um, you know it. That was that was when things certainly. From my very hazy memory of that time felt real. And especially when you watch it back now, that's sort of that's a man stood in front of the camera saying, we're gonna do this, we'll take the pressure, we're not scared. And and that sort of that sort of thing in football nowadays, it's you know, they're, they're PR'd out of that yeah. sort of thing. Media trained
0: to within an inch of their lives, aren't <laughs> they? tell
5: you not to say that, rather than going the tunnel immediately after the game, dripping with sweat, snarling at the interviewer. Making a statement, you know, he's basically talking to Manchester United through the microphone and through the premium in the sky. So um, that, for me, A, for for the game, but less about the game, more about football as it was.
0: Yeah, the significance of it in Rovers' history cannot be understated. Interestingly, though, I'm, yeah, I, I don't like to be that guy, but, but despite all the talk of we showed bottle out there, what happened on the Sunday still, still, <laughs> still brings me out in cold sweats and shivers <laughs> and palpitations even now. I just have to see Jamie Redknapp so like, looking at that ball and looking at the goals <laughs> and well, "Yeah, something's going to happen here and they're going to take the trophy off. It's that, that fever dream that you have about having to go back to school and sit an exam here. Yeah. Rovers will have to go back and score a winner at Anfield because you know, United have got that third
3: goal. I was saying, yeah, I think Tim Flowers actually has come out since and said that the heads had gone. They were yeah. nervous when they, you hear yeah. from that squad that whilst it was bravado and it was a brilliant clip and oh, yeah. Yeah, era, defining of that era and defining yeah. of that season, particularly, but they did they, gone. They, oh,
0: there was a sequence of results. Uh, I know when, when um, John Jordan's book came out, uh, and he was sort of like, you look back and you sort of think, like, I looked at the results, and I think the last eight results. They were terrible. <laughs> it was, dare I say Mowbray esque? You know, for for a side that had just been head and shoulders—not just that season. I, yeah, I, I genuinely think in ninety-two, ninety-three, had Shearer not done his his cruciate, that we would have been right up there. You know, we were runners up in ninety-three, ninety-four, so we were right up there, and then we we, we finally crossed the line. But my goodness me, that that Sunday afternoon is just forever etched in my memories right we'll have a wikipedia page for that then so let's have a let's have a fourth a fourth and final additional wiki page matt what's your perspective
1: well uh usually i'm a man who likes to do lots of planning and lots of research for my um for my answers but as soon as i read this question there was one match fairly well very recently and sort of one match and one moment that i thought that needs a wikipedia page of itself um Obviously, you talk about difficult games we have at EWood, um, playing a team like Fulham, who have got, you know, the best players in the league, uh, that Harry Wilson, Mitrovic, you know, I'm talking recent, recent. So the game that I've gone for is when we lost 7-0. Um, and the moment that I think deserves a Wikipedia page of its own is when on loan Brighton player Van Heck decided that he uh, was going to do some karate on the pitch. Um and try and take off Harry Wilson's head.
0: It was a mix of karate, taekwondo, and jiu I think. I don't think you do, you're doing quite credit. <laughs> Along with potentially hang gliding. I'm sure he was suspended in mid-air for quite some time. It's one of the most surreal, I use the word quite incorrectly, tackles that I think I've ever seen. But fair play to you, you you've, you've slotted right into the groove of the podcast here because of a panel of four, we've chosen two of the worst memories <laughs> that we can think of in you know, relatively recent years. Uh, but we've interspersed that with with one triumph at least over Newcastle that counted, and one triumph over Newcastle that robbed them of their any chance that they might have a glory. So well done, everybody. I'm proud of you all. You fit right in. So those are our additional Wikipedia pages for Rovers games that, that that really should be added. If I was going to add one, I'd have to say it would be the uh, the four three win over Manchester United, which is possibly the most enjoyable Rovers game I think I've ever seen. Where you you, you were four one up over over Man United. Yeah, Ferdinand got sent off thanks to I think some s housery from Robbie Savage. Uh, there was the own, the own goal, wasn't there? Bentley's hat trick just after he'd signed permanently. It was just. A wonderful, wonderful evening made all the better because I'd gone to the game with my Manchester United supporting boss who did go in the Darwin end, but we we went to the game together. We had a drink before the game. And then after the game, he just... Don't even say anything, Ian. Just just get in the car. Don't say anything. Brian, what a really enjoyable evening! No, no, I'm not engaging. I'm not having this. It didn't happen. If I don't acknowledge it, it didn't happen. So that will probably be my personal Wikipedia, just because I enjoyed going to games with, uh, with him. So there we go. Thanks everyone for those uh, for those suggestions. So I asked our panelists to consider comebacks and i probably did that well certainly with this season in mind where rovers just a comeback even catching catching at one goal is beyond them so they're very much out of favor but there are, there are some lasting memories and i think the, the sorts of memories that etch themselves really quite deeply into your psyche is when you see your team down and out and then against all odds they come back so i wanted to know from our panelists what's your favorite ever rovers comeback
5: and I'm going to come to Josh first of all for his memory. I'm really struggling here, and this is—I've—I've I've asked many people. For, it feels genuinely like that long because you know there's there's the comeback where it's sort of something that you remember and we did well, but I don't necessarily remember many. The only one that I did—I've—I've I've stolen from Andy from the RCS, who as we're sort of forgetting the following 120 seconds. But Brad Friedel equalising against Charlton. And then if it's like, just full time there, that would be a phenomenal comeback. Um, but I'm I'm seriously struggling here in terms of what would be a great comeback, especially recently. I've just no idea. Well, we, we shall see what your fellow
0: panellists say as regards to that game at Charlton. My abiding memory of that... Is is the ebb and flow of football taking place whilst I was on a petrol station? So as I pulled into the petrol station, we were a goal behind. I think the window was wound down in the car, and I was like filling up, and we equalised. By the time I'd paid for the fuel, we'd lost the bloody game. And in the space <laughs> in the space of some like seconds, we'd sort of like gone from some like uh, oh my word, Friedel scored. This is just extraordinary stuff. It's Charlton on the attack, and oh my word, they've scored a winner. Just typical, so, so, so typical of Blackburn Rovers. Matt, what's your favourite Rovers comeback?
1: <clears throat> yeah, well, I'm afraid if, if this was a fighting talk type episode, I don't think I'd be getting many points. But as Josh just sort of alluded to, we don't seem to do comebacks, and certainly not in my time following Rovers. So I've gone for a game, it, it sort of ties in with one of my favourite games of all time, as well, I suppose, um, but it's when we won against Stoke in the FA Cup to get to the quarterfinals, um, we went one nil down, Peter Crouch scored and then Josh King, Josh King scored a hat trick, uh, and Gusted scored a penalty. Um, like I say, it's not, it's not much of a comeback, I suppose, but we went one nil down. So we did come back to win and, uh, yeah, I, I sort of that whole FA Cup run and the Josh King narrative, it's sort of its I don't know, it's just a key memory for me supporting Rovers, and I suppose it's its the best comeback I could think of, really, that, I've, that I remember watching.
0: I must admit, that, that run of the, the Bowie, it did make you think from time to time that, you know, we have got something going here, and we just couldn't replicate it consistently in the league, and there is that still, that abiding, nagging doubt that that squad really ought to have done better, but when we
5: when we were on it, we were really on it, and we were definitely on it that day, yeah. for sure. Do you remember... We had two strikers that both scored over twenty goals in a season. We finished outside the top six. It's extraordinary, isn't it? When, he, when Man, you put yeah, it, put those King.
0: most basic. Gested Roads, Rhodes, wasn't it? The, with, the, with the two, mm. I mean, you know, King couldn't even get in the side. Yeah, you know, he, he was picked in the cup team, wasn't he? And uh, yeah, oh, yeah, that was then. This is now. So I'm going to come up to Roger. Roger, what's your Rover's comeback?
3: Um, Well, again, I'm torn between what I think is the greatest comeback in sort of my 30 plus years of being a Rovers fan. Uh, And that, I think, was when they came back to be Arsenal, the year Arsenal won the title at uh, 97-98. But my favourite comeback, and again, it's a bit bit misleading because it sort of was a comeback, but it wasn't a comeback, was the FA Cup semi-final in 2007, Rovers against Chelsea. Just because we'd been there two years earlier and played Arsenal down in Cardiff and, well beaten, went a goal down. And of course, against Chelsea, they go a goal down. All the Rovers fans are there behind the goal uh, at Old Trafford. And there'd been sort of controversy of where is it going to be? Should it be in Manchester? Should it be in London? And that second half performance that Rovers put in, I know they went on to lose in extra time, but that second half, and coming off Old Trafford that day is the proudest thing I've ever come away from a Rovers game, win, lose or draw. We were chatting, the, it, the sun was out, all the fans were in a really good mood. We'd put in such a brave performance that day. And yeah, it's tinged with a little bit of regret, regret should I say, because they didn't get to the final. And obviously Pedersen should have scored that header perhaps at the end, but... What a a sort of spirit and what we as football fans want is that bit of fight, that bit of effort, that bit of application. And just off the top of my head, it's so hard to find highlights of that game. But I remember Petr Cech making a couple of good saves. I remember John Terry nearly scored an old goal, obviously Pedersen's header. I think we hit the post. Maybe it was Pedersen's header that hit the post. So my memory escapes me. But in terms of what that was that fighting spirit, and even though we lost, I was so pleased coming off the ground. So yeah, uh, I it, think that would be my favorite.
0: It was it was a day to be proud, certainly, and that that Pedersen header is etched into my memories. I just, I, I, I always wanted to see Rovers at Wembley in an FA Cup final, and I know we we got to the League Cup final, but of course it was in Cardiff. So it seems a bit churlish um, to, to, to not be not be grateful for that. But there was there was just something about going to Wembley, and I, I genuinely thought in 94-95, that that was going to be our year. I, I, I don't think I ever expected us to win the league, but I really thought that that would be our year and we, we, we'd get to Wembley. And that squad, again, really ought to have... I know we got to the semi-final, the one year, but we, we did underperform in the Cups. Thanks for that, Roger. And to finish off then, Scott, comebacks. We don't do them at the moment, but what's your favourite Rovers one?
4: Yeah, I really wrap my brains here because I can't remember that many famous ones over the years, really. Um, the dream comeback is scoring two get late goals to turn a loss into a win. And actually, we did that twice in a recent season. No one will remember us coming back from 2-1 down against Oldham at Ewood to win 3-2 in 2019-20. to <laughs> But maybe people will remember the Sheffield Wednesday game later that season when Mowbray was really on the ropes. We'd had a really bad run in October, and it looked as though, you know, that might be his last game if he'd lost that game. Sheffield Wednesday scored late on in about the eightieth minute. He threw on John Buckley in the eighty eighth minute, and everyone asked, well, What's John Buckley gonna do with Two, three minutes plus injury time. He passed the note to Tosin Adebayoro. Tosin scored an amazing header and then Buckley scuffed in a winner. And mm-hmm. incredibly, we turned a 1 0 defeat into an incredible 2 1 win in the space of three minutes. Um, and there was still a couple of minutes to play after that. Um, so that's the only significant one I can remember where we scored two late goals. That was John Buckley's first
0: game, wasn't it? Uh, first goal, wasn't it for Rovers that day? Yeah, so that was yeah. his debut debut goal. Matt, did we go to that with your mates from Sheffield? Was that one of the Sheffield Rovers games? That
1: yeah, um, I, th- I believe later on that game there was fire I think it was around bonfire night and there was fireworks um, behind the riverside. Um, I actually met John Buckley that night. I've got a lovely picture with him from from when I met him that night. Yeah, um, yeah, my one of my mates from Sheffield. Uh, Wednesday fan was sat in in the Riverside with us, and you know made made the goals even better and the comeback even better. And I ca- I can't believe that I didn't think of that myself. Well, there you I'm glad I remembered that that that,
0: that was the, the game we had in mind. I'm I'm going to take you way back now, folks. But yeah, plump a percussion. Sit back in your easy chairs because we're going back to 1975. And I think it was voted. Well, I know it was voted because I've got the clip up on screen. of Blackburn Rovers match of the seventies and plymouth and blackburn were top first and second in in we interchanged positions during the season but there were only there are only two teams going for the title and a quirk of the fixtures had us playing twice in the space of i don't know a couple of weeks something like that and we'd lost at home park and then plymouth came up to to rovers in february 1975 and started like an express train and interestingly in that Plymouth team was Bobby Saxton who later went on to to manage Blackburn Rovers of course and Colin Rample who later went on to play for Blackburn Rovers and they raced into a 2-0 lead and it looked really, really desperate. Not only that, we missed a penalty and things were getting really, really grim at this point. Um, I think we nicked one back just before half-time from memory and then the second half just blew them away. Absolutely blew them away, and it was one of those days where you sort of think, Oh, ref, you know, make me this 110 minutes, will you? Because this could end 11 too. Plymouth were just absolutely shell shocked. So, that, that is my it's probably still right up there in my certainly a candidate for my all time ever Rovers favourite game, but it's definitely one of the best comebacks. And then, a purely personal one in April 1984 was I was at university with a, a mate who was a, a big Portsmouth fan. And we were going to somebody's... I think it was 21st birthday in the evening. And I sort of said, well, why don't, why don't we go? Why don't we go down together from, from Union? We'll, we'll go to the game and then we'll go off to the party together. And he said, well, oh, that, that's, that's all well and good. So he took me on the the um, the long, the popular long side at Fratton Park, which is a bit like Rovers Riverside used to be. Uh, so I'm in amongst all the Portsmouth fans. I said, for crying kind out of, loud, well, you know, keep quiet. I'm going to get my head kicked in, seriously, here. Portsmouth go a goal up. Great. Terrific. Portsmouth get a second, and it becomes blindingly obvious at this point that I'm not celebrating in quite the same way that everybody around me is. So Derek thought it was a hoot at half-time to point out, this lad's some bright videos. he's a so he's my mate at university. Oh, never mind, mate, you're 2-0 down, you've come all this way, have you to watch it? Oh, never mind, you. Yeah. Arms round the shoulder, sympathy kind of thing. Anyhow, I don't know what they put in Simon Garner's tea at half-time, but long story short, we won 4-2, and again... The second, yeah, A game of two halves, Brian. Yeah, the, the second half was just like, I've never seen anything like it before. So when the fourth went in, I was like, we've got to get out of here. We've got to get out of here. <laughs> and all that shuffling down to the front where I could see a policeman in case I was going to get my face rearranged. So from a few, purely personal perspective, that definitely was, was, was my best one. Uh, the, the only issue for me is that, that I've never found any TV footage of it, not even on TV South or whatever, but what a great day, great afternoon.
3: Yeah, just uh, another four-two, which was again just a little bit before my time. In fact, I think my first game for watching Robbers was at Wembley, actually the playoff final against Leicester, and of course famously the um, the playoff semi-final. At- to Ewood against Derby where Derby would tune up inside was it 15 minutes something yeah. like that and uh, I hear stories of people who were on the Blackburn in that day who were <laughs> seeing people ripping tickets up for the second leg or going home running down uh, Nuttall Street when uh, when they got it back to 2-1 but that, that footage is on YouTube if you get a chance to watch that because that's another game where Rovers should have won 5-2 actually there's was a very dodgy offside but whenever I've spoke to people about this topic today they've always said oh yeah if you were there it has to be it has to be that game.
0: Yeah. I think the, the 1975 one is kind of like my generation. That one definitely I did expect that to come up so I'm grateful you mentioned that because it was it was one of those we I can't believe not only we've blown automatic promotion, you know we very nearly blew getting in the playoffs. And then you know, it was sort of like oh what on earth are you guys doing? You know, this is just how? How are you doing this? and then they just turned it around, so that was terrific. Thank you for your input there, panel. That's, that's really, really good. We're going to end this episode with a little quiz round, and we're going to take you back to 2017-18. So, listener, if you fancy testing your knowledge against our panel, this is your opportunity. 4,000 Holes. No longer just a fanzine, now a podcast too. But you know that. You're listening to it. So, what I'm going to do now is ask our panel various questions related to that famous promotion season in 2017 and 18. And I'm going to trust them not to Google, but who knows, they might. So, I'm going to start off by asking in that season, we suffered six defeats in the league.
5: Can you remember any of them? I certainly can. Charlton. <laughs> and Mulberry gave up winning the league and played Paul Callis at right back. That's number one. That's the one I expected everyone
0: to to latch on to. Any others? AFC
3: Wimbledon. (coughs) Was it AFC Wimbledon, one of the first home games of the season? And Southend, the first game of the season?
5: Yes. Did we lose at Rochdale or Oldham? Oldham. We lost at Oldham.
0: Oldham was one of the grimmest afternoons, I think. Yeah, uh,
5: that was cold
0: from memory. Because uh, I, um, we, we thought we got back on track. Sorry, but I'll come to you. I thought we got back on track. Uh, we had that dreadful start, and then yeah, Oldham was supposed to be sort of like building the momentum, and then it, it just disappeared.
1: Absolutely disappeared. Uh, yeah. um, well, I I think I know the last two, um, and I certainly remember losing 2-0 to Plymouth Argyle. Spot on. Amari um, Bell made his debut that day, for what it's worth. I'm pretty Kunkurk. sure off the bench. Yeah, I remember leaving my house at, what, five or six o'clock in the morning for that one. So uh, that wasn't great. Um, And There's only one more that
0: we need to get, which was right at the beginning of the season, Roger.
1: Uh, Doncaster,
3: was it, at home? It was,
0: yeah, yeah. And the the reason why that one resonates is um, we just revived the BRFCS podcast, and we we sort of recorded an episode and got it out there. And then on Twitter (laughs) that night came the... I think we need to do an emergency podcast on Monday night because, yeah, Mowbray's not long for this parish. You know, what on earth is going on? So we lost we lost to Southend in the opening game. Then we lost in the opening home game to, to Doncaster. Uh, and then Dominic Samuel scored the winner at Bradford from memory, which got us, like, back on track, and we hammered Milton keynes Doms. Uh And then there was that, that sort of, like, uh, the 3-0 win away at Rochdale, and then we beat Scunthorpe, which was a game we went to.
4: Um, just the bonus ones, in the you EFL, gonna... trof- in the EFL Trophy, we lost at home to Bury, and we, we, lost, we lost away to Rochdale on penalties. FA Cup, we lost to Hull at home, Yep. and in the League Cup, we didn't enter the competition that year, and we didn't play our near neighbours. <laughs> we forfeited. I'll, I'll give you that one. Well done, Good good
0: memories there, folks. So I want you to think now about the squad. Uh, And I've identified, I think I've counted it right, that there were 12 players who made at least 30 appearances that season. How many can we remember? Because it's only only like five years ago, but it, it feels like an eternity. I've got to be honest.
5: So the keeper's Raya. Yes. The right back, I'm guessing, is Nyambi then. Correct, that's two. Mulgrew, obviously. Yeah, that's
0: three. We've mentioned one of the other defenders already tonight. Can't remember who he played centre back with. Left back and centre back. Derek Williams. Of course, he's one. Another defender, much maligned. Amar Amar
5: Ridell made his debut.
0: Did he get enough to play? He didn't make 30 appearances, he only made 12 in the league. Uh Another defender, much maligned. Line. I'm trying to think. Underrated, not Elliot Wood. No,
3: was it Paul oh. Downing? Paul Downing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then in midfield,
3: did, did they not? They didn't lose when Paul Downing played. It was it some stat that it, just, it was,
0: it, he got a load of grief? But there's yeah. there something I don't. Yeah, obviously, it's correlation, not necessarily causation. But I thought. He, I thought he was. As I say, he got. He got more grief than he deserved. it's not like we signed him for a million quid.
5: Yeah, he, came, he came
0: along and he did a job and he was a good honest pro. I had a lot of time for him, I have to say. The King of Ewood.
5: Yeah, Richard Smallwood, Santa yeah. midfield.
0: And who else in midfield?
1: Corey Evans. Yes. Elliot oh.
0: Banner. In, Elliot Banner, in, yes.
1: Banner, Banner, yes. Banner, Braylor, Craig Caldwell, be, the, There's Corey a very, Evans, very, uh,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I was going to say there's a very obvious midfield candidate, but you may have him marked down as being up front. Oh, Dak. Bradley Dack. Bradley Dack, obviously. Uh, and then forwards, uh, there's three forwards. I've mentioned one of them already. One Danny of them, Graham. I've got his signed shirt on that wall over there.
1: Uh, but Danny it's Danny Graham. It's Danny, Graham and Danny Graham made
0: 48 league appearances.
1: <clears throat> uh, Marcus Antonson, did he Marcus
0: Antonson is the boy, 33. So I, I bid for his uh, Royal Legion, British Royal Legion shirt, and I had it presented in the in the tunnel before a home game, and it's it's framed. You can't see it, but it's on that wall. Ian, yeah.
3: did you did you beat his mum and dad in yeah, the Yeah, The only, the only bit. <laughs> Why
0: do, why do you think I went for his? It was the cheapest. <laughs> it's a talking point. This, you know, it's a podcast item that makes it tax deductible. Oh, I think. Uh, Dom Sam. Dom Sam is the last one. Yeah. Dominic Samuel, forty-one appearances. I look when, when I was doing this, when I was preparing for this, I looked to see where he is, and he's at Ross County. And I think he's he's only scored about like four goals in the last eight <laughs> years or something. He's he's, he's just. He's, I know he worked really really hard, didn't he, on his, his fitness, and then got injured again straight away. And like when he left Rovers, I just nothing. Craig nothing Conway must do. Craig Conway now.
5: Uh, Craig, I felt like a Craig Conway played that. Twenty-eight
0: because huh? he, you know, like, he joined mid-season didn't he didn't yeah no no he, he was there
3: oh, no it wasn't yeah, it, it was at the beginning.
0: yeah he was there yeah, yeah he was there the whole that season but only 28 probably on the bench a lot so there we go and last but by no means least this is this is a very interesting one uh seven players scored five or more goals that season so clearly a lot of the names we've just mentioned will crop up again but there's a wild card in there. They want to see if you can remember. So, who scored more than five goals in that season?
5: Mulgrew. Yes.
3: Are these league goals, Ian.
0: Uh, uh, all competitions.
3: All competitions. Yeah.
1: Adam Armstrong.
0: Yes, he scored nine. So Charlie Mulgrew uh, got fourteen. Fourteen.
1: Oh dear, I Adam Armstrong
0: got nine. Right. Dak <clears throat> and Danny Graham. Dak was- got eighteen. Danny Graham got seventeen. So it was eighteen. Dak. Seventeen Graham, fourteen Mulgrew, nine Armstrong. We've mentioned, we, we mentioned a couple of the name, the couple of the other names already. Anton Ant- Ant- Anton. <laughs> he got eight, you know. amazingly, but I always remember him for missing that scuffed penalty at Northampton Town away. And then we mentioned Dom Samuel, who got eight. Who's the wild card that you can't we won't remember?
1: Mm. Oh Harry Chapman didn't get more than five, did he? No, correct. He didn't. He um, had to. Uh, he wasn't he was injured, the wasn't he?
3: I think I know Jack Payne scored last game of the season, but I don't think he got more than five. He did, but that I'm was only his goal. About...
0: Harry Chapman scored one goal. Jack Payne scored one goal, but yeah. somebody scored five goals in all competitions.
3: Feed Wasn't the, feed the nut. Yes, Joe Nuttall.
0: Joe Nuttall. How soon we forget our heroes? <laughs> uh, five goals in all competitions. Only two in the league, of course. He got. Uh, he was. He was a bit of a cup specialist because he got one in the FA Cup and two in the EFL Trophy. And I'm sure we all went to that game where Joe Nuttall scored two in the EFL trophy <laughs> Right, there we go. I hope you've enjoyed that. I just want to say thank you to the panellists. Matt Grimshaw, thank you very much for your contributions, Matt.
1: Yeah, thanks for having us again. Yeah.
0: Pleasure. You're welcome anytime. Our newcomer, our debutante, I think he's held his head high and he's, he's obviously pandered to the ageing presenter by referencing the 70s and 80s throughout the podcast. Roger Whiteside, thank you for joining us.
3: You up, always play to the presenter know your audience
0: <laughs> and of course the editor of 4,000 Holes fanzine and now contributor to the 4,000 Holes podcast Scott Sumner, thanks for your contributions
4: cheers Ian, cheers
0: and last but by no means least Josh Boswell, the doyen of the forum, thanks once again Josh thank you for having me as always that's it ladies and gentlemen, this was the 4,000 Holes podcast brought to you in conjunction with The Terrace
1: Long drilled pass forward, left footed. Nelson heads away for Rovers. Pederson just helps it away, and then Rio Ferdinand has gone clattering into the Rovers man. And Rio Ferdinand is going to be sent off here—a second yellow card in the space of about 90 seconds. It compounds an absolutely wretched afternoon for the England man. First league double over Manchester United in 75 years courtesy of David Bentley who 24 hours after joining the club full time scored a first league hat-trick by a Rovers player in nearly eight years.
0: The 4000 Holes Podcast, brought to you by the people at BRFCS.com and
5: sponsored by the lovely people at the Terrace.
2: Sports Social Podcast Network.
5: It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in?